welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. I'm in the studio again with Luke and Dr. Dennis R. Wiles, and we are talking about John 6, the feeding of the 5,000, and also just God's providence in our life through signs, and we meander a bit, so we talk about a lot, and it's enjoyable, and we're glad you're here. All right. Welcome to Tell Me More as we walk through John with our pastor and his preaching series, Your Story Matters. And what a good series it's been. And we're reminded that the narratives of Jesus in the Gospels are powerful and they move our hearts. And Dr. Wallace is doing a great job kind of unpacking it. And I'm excited to talk about John 6 because uh, there are many ways in which you can preach John 6. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that. Uh, Luke Stair is here with us and Hello. Dr. Dennis Wiles. Uh, he spent too much time on the golf course yep. in the spring. And so you hear it in his yeah, voice. Uh, my voice a little challenging. Sorry. Um, I would like to say today is Monday, March 27. It is Jen Staley's birthday. Wow. You would hate that you just said yep. that. Yep. But Jen, we yep. love you. We don't Happy always birthday, do Jen. things just because Jen doesn't like them. Uh, yeah. Hi, birthday, Jen. Love you. And she, she's a pretty faithful listener, so I think she might hear that. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> a little Easter egg. Jen, you have a bonus waiting on you if you tell me you listen to this. <laughs> that <laughs> anyway. is awesome. Yeah. Um, we're grateful for her. So, okay. You talked yesterday. I think most people that listen to this podcast have listened to the sermon, but mm-hmm. if not, you talked yesterday. You preached John 6, which is the feeding of the 5,000, right. among other things. Right. And so you talked about kind of the scarcity resource mm-hmm. when you're in need looks bigger than the apparent resources around you. Correct. Which is very, we can all relate to that. Mm -hmm. And you took it in a direction of kind of, um, you told a lot of your own personal stories Mm -hmm. about how God, particularly your call to First Baptist Mm -hmm. and how God provided for you, Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, a sign. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you preached the text, that was kind of the way you took it. And we were talking a minute ago, there's so many ways one could approach John 6. It's such a known story. Luke and I were talking about that. How do you preach something everybody knows, right? Right. And so, Dr. Wiles, this the design of the podcast is if you got <laughs> if you're taking steps down from the pulpit and you say to me or someone else, okay, if I could preach that again, I'd go this direction. Or if this was a different crowd, I would have said this. So you want to hit us with a few of those scenarios? If you preach this again as part of a different series, what what might you emphasize or what's in the text that we didn't touch yesterday? Well, I would I would say probably several things. We might have alluded to them, but um one would be, since I know what I'm preaching next Sunday, I didn't go this route. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the little boy who basically gave everything he had that day. Mm-hmm. You know? And he had a lunch. And John is the one who tells us they're barley loaves. So that lets us know it's a poor family because they used barley for their bread. Mm-hmm. The more well-to-do people did not. And so you have you have a boy who probably lives in a scarcity culture, if that makes sense. Right. And he's willing to give his lunch away. So there's a whole lesson in that. To me, you could, to me, you could tie children in, and how um, children sometimes lead us into very significant pathways that are life changing. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of being willing to give something that is yours, but you give it away so that everyone else could enjoy it. I mean, there are so many mm-hmm. facets of that whole idea of generosity mm-hmm. and being led by a child. And there's also the story of Andrew. There's something approachable about Andrew. It just seems like Andrew, people are drawn to Andrew. He's different than Simon Peter. Mm. Um, And he's always, it seems like every time he's mentioned in the New Testament, I think most every time they call him 
Peter's brother, which um, yeah. I can understand mm. that I grew up as little wiles mm-hmm. in my community because I have two <laughs> great brothers. Yeah. They were both really good, really good guys, but also really good athletes. And so I grew up in the same path with this, you know, the same journey, playing for the same teams all the way through high school. So I was always mm-hmm. little wiles. Mm-hmm. So I understand that I would be known as Emerson's little brother or Tommy's little brother. So you've got that going. But there's something approachable about Andrew, and it seems like every time Andrew shows up, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. So there's that avenue we could have talked mm. about. Um, mm. Or the whole idea of Jesus being greater than Elijah, Elisha, Moses. We touched on that yesterday, mm-hmm. but but you could really just do a, a, a sermon on just the messianic portrait of John and how, he, how he's painting it a little bit differently um, and, than the other uh, writers. And how he ties it so much to the story of Judaism. You know, we say Matthew's the most Jewish gospel. That's what most scholars say. That's why it's the first gospel. Right. There's so much um, um, biblical text in Matthew, you know, just as it was written. So, but I think you could argue, though, that John might be just as Jewish because he ties so much of what Jesus does to all the festivals. Right. He'll tell us Jesus, Mm -hmm. it was the Passover, or it was Hanukkah, Feast of Dedication, or it was the... You know, the Feast of Booths. I mean, you got all this Jewish context and background mm-hmm. just just all through John. And and then you've got the, the messianic expectation. So we could have taken that yeah. Sunday. You, you know, when they say, well, this must be the prophet. You know, this idea back, I think it was in Deuteronomy, where the prophet is going to mm-hmm. be able to provide for us like this. And so we could have spent the whole time just discussing the, the messianic portrait of John, which I think is awesome. And entire books have been written about that. Yeah, and so... Yeah. And so all of that is in that story. <clears throat> so, so so one thing that I'm I'm looking ahead I mean I'm looking at the full chapter I should mm-hmm. say of John 6. Yeah. And in the well I have a lot of questions in there some of them are probably um would derail but they're mm-hmm. anyway. You you have this story. Then Jesus walks on water. And I was about to say nothing else happens in this text. And then you get chapter. and then you get back to Walking Jesus. <clears throat> then you get back to this bread Imagery mm-hmm. of so that's why I'm like, it, why is this sandwich? Why is this story? Why is Jesus walking on water sandwiched between these two bread stories? Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all want to answer that? That has nothing to do with this, but mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a um, these aren't written. These yeah, are why, written with purpose. What's say, going on why there? Does John you know, do anything, right? why does John <clears throat> have what mm-hmm. Jesus walking on water uh, sandwiched between these two? Mm-hmm. But I didn't think about that till I'm literally reading it right now. It's not like I. Po- Prompted y'all for that question, mm-hmm. so think about it if you want to. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to say is one one another direction that you haven't necessarily gone in John is these great I am sayings. That's right. So Jesus walks on water. Luke Luke's googling. We'll figure out. If Luke wants to talk about that. But, I remember the answer. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then um, Luke it, it, John has they come back and Jesus has this great I am the bread of life statement, right. which is really a pretty harsh statement. Mm-hmm. And so the, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I've derailed it because I'm curious about the sandwich thing that we might not even talk about. Mm-hmm. But the point being. Uh, we haven't really talked about the I am statements either. Right. That's right. And we this, haven't. And, yeah. And I've I've preached that before here at this church, you mm-hmm. know, the great I am statements, yeah. and they're awesome. Yeah. You've got one here in John 6. You've also got this whole comparison, if you will, of manna in the wilderness to Jesus providing bread and then Jesus saying, you know, the reason y'all all keep following me is because I gave you something to eat. But, mm-hmm. but the bottom line is yeah. I'm yeah. the bread of life. life. I'm not just here to... Yeah. Feed right. you today, you know. And Speaking so, of signs, <clears throat> right? The bread signs of, of wonder—they're kind of just. And then it's going to yeah. get really dicey 
in John 6 where he says, well, actually, you've got to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man. Well, so, that just freaks everybody yeah, so out. Kurt and, I, Kurt and I talked about this a bit last week because mm-hmm. Kurt, you know Kurt Grice. He's mm-hmm. going to put the whole thing in the biblical context. Yeah, he, could, he could quote every word of the Bible That's to you. To say, yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, we're talking about John 5 last mm-hmm. week. He's like, well, but you got to remember John 4 and then again in John 6. And I'm like, of course, go on, go on, go on. Right. Yes. But it is, he gathers, it's very popular what he did with feeding the 5,000. Mm-hmm. He turns around and then mm-hmm. is very unpopular. That's right. And kind yeah, of, they start leaving. Well, and I think that's the point. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to follow, this is this is actually what you're signing up for. Mm-hmm. And when they see that, they're like, Ugh, never mind, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, okay, Luke. So, Luke, why <laughs> why in the middle of Jesus talking about bread, providing bread, and then saying, "I am the bread of life," do we have him walking on water? Yeah, and so we've already, I think, alluded to the answer. And so, if John six is setting up Jesus is greater than Moses, you've got to put all of these things in chapter six into the lens of what happens in Exodus. So Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's about manna falling from heaven. I mean, Jesus is like Moses providing bread. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus walks on the water. So if Jesus is greater than Moses, what's better? What's greater than parting a sea, walking on top of it? And then you have again, I'm the bread of life. You had manna in the wilderness for Moses, but I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. So all of John chapter 6 is ultimately this yeah, Moses was great. He Bread came out of heaven. He parted the Red Sea. You all walked across it. Mm-hmm. Here's someone greater. He walked on top I'm of the on water. I'm on the water. <clears throat> yeah. Boss? And, well, and I agree with that, and I think then— Dr. Ph.D., when what do you, you get, think? When you get to John 8, and he's going to be greater than Abraham. So— Big claims, I mean, think, right? I mean, who, who's going <laughs> And that's where if you would say— if you want to shock yeah, a bunch of yeah. Jews, and claim that, to be better than Moses there it is. And, Abraham. and that's where you say, the, 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 you know, we have this— um, And greater than the Sabbath. If I mean, someone says so, yeah. Jesus was a great teacher, great right. moral teacher, you right. know, the best teacher of his time, yeah. th- no one would have said that. They'd be no. like, oh, this guy yeah. is blaspheming exactly. all over Israel, yeah. and we need to kill him, yeah. you know? So yeah. yeah, when Jesus finishes preaching, all the holy people tear their clothes. So it's— yeah. uh, <laughs> You know, he, he's obviously not. I've just never a, been that mad. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, not yeah, just a really. teacher. I mean, he is—he's healing on the Sabbath intentionally. Yeah. Think about that. He's gonna—you know—we get to John nine, and he's gonna heal the blind man on the Sabbath, and then—and then—and then, and then he's going to tell the, the Pharisees are going to say, "Well, okay, you don't even honor the Sabbath. So what? So what do you what do you think we are?" And Jesus says, "Well, you know, the blind man at least knew he was blind." Mm. Y'all are blind and you don't know it. You're mm. you're worse off than he was. You know, at least he knew he was blind. Mm. I mean, you get talk it. about so Jesus is throw down Jesus. Yes, and you get you you keep getting all these double amens all the way through John six, seven, eight. Yes. You get the little verily, verily. Okay, you know, do you want to remind us, those uh, who haven't listened to every podcast or seen every sermon, when yeah, you see two amens in a row, yeah. Jesus you see two is amens, throwing down. The NIV translates it very truly. Mm-hmm. The old King James, verily, verily. Right. But what Jesus is saying is um, truth, truth, and they would have all recognized that. In other words, he's claiming to be the arbiter, the 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 the, the interpreter, mm. the embodiment of truth. Mm. Twenty five times in John's gospel, he's going to say that, and he says it more often than not to the Pharisees. And every time you see that in the text, something happens when he tells you truly, truly, or it's very sit truly. Sit up straight, listen yeah. up. So, okay. um, so yeah, there's this 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 powerful journey here, like Luke just said. You know, you've got. John the Baptist, who basically says at the beginning of the gospel, well, he's greater than I am, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. you got that. You got a little clue, John 1, about Moses, but as you just keep reading the text, 
you know, in the minds of those Jews, they all knew that God used Elijah, Elisha mm-hmm. to provide mm-hmm. for people these miracles. Moses parting the Red Sea, providing food, and and then the Torah, the law, the Sabbath, the temple. Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to destroy this temple, rebuild it in three days. Mm-hmm. He's going to heal on the Sabbath. He's going to provide real bread that Moses couldn't provide. He's not going to part the water. He's just going to walk on top of it. Mm-hmm. He's going to say before Abraham was, I am. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're a Jewish person mm-hmm. in the first century, and this is what you're encountering. There is literally no one else who talks like this. The most outrageous yes, statements anyone could have made. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a, they could have easily viewed as, a, as an assault on everything they understood about reality, which some of them did. I mean, obviously they killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the disciples, praise God, as they started getting the wisdom of the Spirit, begin to see what it really is. It's a fulfillment of it all. He's not discounting Moses. He's not discounting Abraham. He's a Jew. He loves Moses. He loves Abraham. Um, he loves all these folks. Mm-hmm. He loves the law. He loves the Sabbath. I mean, he's going to keep the Sabbath holy. But to him, the way you keep it holy is sometimes intervening in a disease-ridden culture mm. and heal. Mm-hmm. And he knows God's working on the Sabbath. Yeah. You know, the universe still works. Mm. Tough, though. Yeah. For a religious so, leader to watch that. Yeah. And uh, that's why I've, I've said before, I, 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 I would like to believe, had I been in the first century, I would have followed him in a second. Mm-hmm. But I'm honest enough to know about myself just because I'm theologically bent, <laughs> um, I would need some. Uh, be tough for you, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have. I would like to believe I would have been like Nicodemus. I'd like to believe I would have just gone. I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Nicodemus. I don't mean that. I'm just saying somebody no, you who have, we've teaches the Bible. That before. Yeah. I would like to believe I would go just sit down with him and say, "Okay, seriously, yeah, what are, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is this?" Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge it'd be tough for us, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Oh, uh-huh. um, unconventional. Kind of like, uh, you know, Chuck Smith out there in California in 1970. He's watching and, hit, you know, it, you know, I was alive back then. I was a kid. But I can remember my parents. <clears throat> I know what it's like to sit in front of the television every night and hear Walter Cronkite giving a por- report on Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And you, you have church members whose kids are in Vietnam you have a brother who had a really high draft number, so he didn't get drafted. But but so many of your friends' mm-hmm. brothers are in Vietnam, so you're watching this, and you're also watching, you know, um, the, the country's on fire. College campuses are being burned, and cities are being burned, and and there's this in, racial injustice and tension, mm-hmm. and it just felt like so. There's a book somewhere that says everything that was nailed down is coming loose. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like that. So I can only imagine had I been a, re- a Christian leader mm-hmm. in the latter 60s, I can only imagine what I would have been thinking. This thing has come undone, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, they've killed President Kennedy. They've killed his brother. They've killed Martin Luther King Jr. in public. Mm-hmm. Not, In other words, not, not um, yeah. you know what I mean? Y'all are both young, but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, I'm old enough to remember. Very unsettling days. Yes, mm-hmm. when you would kill somebody that prominent. In public, mm-hmm. you know, almost cavalier as if, okay, they, you're gonna, you know you're going to get caught. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, know, you can't shoot Martin Luther the, the King President, Jr. or yeah. the president's brother. or You know what I mean? You can't do that in public. Well, anyway, they did. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think about <clears throat> Chuck Smith's out there in California and the world's coming apart and all of a sudden Lonnie Frisbee shows up, this freewheeling hippie, you know, doesn't wear shoes when he because he believes he's on holy ground, mm-hmm. no theological training, and yet he's preaching and people are flocking to hear him. And mm-hmm. what's Chuck supposed to do? And mm-hmm. Chuck just decides, you know what? This is of God. Let's let's see what happens. Mm. And and uh, I mean, next thing you know, um, and again, y'all are young, but mm-hmm. I remember it. Churches started opening coffee houses. Nobody did that back then. That was Lonnie's idea, Chuck Smith's idea. To get, go engage these people in conversation. They won't come to your church. So open up a coffee house and meet them on their terms. I know that doesn't sound too radical to y'all, but back then, I'm just telling you, if you want to go to church, if you want to meet Jesus, come to our church. That's how you meet yeah. him, okay? Mm-hmm. Or go hear Billy Graham, one of the two. Yeah, these are your two options. That's right, mm-hmm. and um, and it worked, mm-hmm. at least we thought. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it didn't. And, mm-hmm. and then Billy Graham blesses Chuck Smith in the whole Jesus revolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, so I would like to believe mm-hmm. I would be like Chuck. And so I've told the Lord as I get older, if you ever are stirring one of these movements and I can be in on it, uh, give me the wisdom and the good sense not to not to um, inhibit it in any way, mm-hmm. but be like Chuck Smith mm-hmm. and open my church and my heart to these fresh winds of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So, a good word. It is it's a, a good invitation yeah. for us. Um, hmm. I think we wandered a little bit of a field here, but that's okay. I think we can get I think back. I probably started it when I said, what, yeah. "What's up with Jesus walking on yeah. water?" And then, and here we are. <clears throat> yeah. So, how would you and know if we're thinking about signs and that God gives yes. signs? Yeah. How, do you how trust would them? you know if that was happening? Yeah. Well, I would look for the fruit of the gospel. You know, in the fruit of God's spirit, and if I saw that, I would say, if I see that, well, then I'm I'm going to join it. Um, in other words, it may it may have expression that's a little different than how I might do it, but if I sense that there's repentance and confession and genuine conversion and an openness to the spirit of God and a desire to honor the authority of Jesus. Well then, I'm 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 gonna You're in. I'm, I'm in. Because no. that's a question I have: is there can be a very immature way for people to pray for signs, <clears throat> right? God, give me a sign. Oh yeah, I'm and it, close my eyes, and if a blue car drives by next, I'm literally, open it, you know, I'm when, I, it. when I was in college, somebody was dating somebody and said, "Well, I prayed to God that if I woke up and didn't like him anymore, then we'd break up." Yeah. Well, that's a pretty mm-hmm. immature way to right. view life with people. Mm-hmm. So. When someone's praying for signs, I think it's a good question, Luke. How, how might we mm-hmm. do that ma- maturely where we believe mm-hmm. God can work in our world, yeah. but also that, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, just because mm-hmm. you prayed for a blue car and every car, you know, you see right. every blue car in the world and that must be God working in your life. You know? So I was watching the Asbury. Mm-hmm. Um, the revivals? The movement that just yeah. happened. Well, <clears throat> some people early on said, oh, well, this is a bunch of uh, emotional college kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I get that, um, but I, I I I watched it. I watched some of the chapel services. That's just not what it was. It, it wasn't hyped emotion. It wasn't stirring people into a frenzy. Someone who used to play in chapel, it's almost impossible Correct. to do that with right. a coerced crowd. Right, <laughs> exactly. You've yeah, got it turns out even if you wanted students it. who have to be there. Um, that's just not what it was. It was genuine. It was confessional. I didn't go on purpose. I started to go. 
I thought, okay, this is happening. I just need to go see it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't for a number of reasons. Um, not because I couldn't. I just thought, you know, this is a genuine movement of the Spirit of God. And what I need to be interested in is it happening here and it being a part of our context. Um, and it may be that at some point we might invite someone from Asbury to come and speak to us rather than me going there to, to see mm-hmm. it for myself. Mm-hmm. I think I'd here. rather them come and share with us. So tell us tell us your story. Mm-hmm. And we just may do that. I wanted to let the dust clear a little bit. Because um, you don't want to – you're not into like hyped sensationalism. Correct. We're not going to do that here, right? Right. right. So like Craig Keener, New mm-hmm. Testament scholar, mm-hmm. brilliant. My goodness, y'all, seriously. Um, he's written these two massive volumes on John. Mm. Very staid, conservative, thoughtful, quiet theologian. He's a professor across the street at Asbury Seminary. So here he is in his study, and and this is happening across the street at the college. And his wife says to him something like, Craig, you need to go walk across the street. This happened at our seminary back in 1970, you know. Mm-hmm. And so here's this, for y'all, you two, a Todd Steele, mm-hmm. if you will, okay, mm-hmm. who is just going to humbly go to chapel at the university, and then he starts making videos about it, about how God stirred him, how God spoke to him. And then he starts listening to people, what some are saying about it, and he feels led to correct their mistakes humbly. I would encourage you to watch some of it. Craig Keener, K-E-E-N-E-R. You can find him on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And he will just say so sweetly, he'll say, you know, I, I saw someone who was being very critical of this, but... Let me just tell you, he needs to apologize because he's wrong. I'm here. That is not what's happening. Right. Let me tell you what's happening. I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. So here's a guy who's forgotten more about the New Testament than I'm probably ever going to know, telling us this is consistent with the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so I'm listening. So I was thinking about maybe bringing someone like him to our church who was stirred as a scholar. You know, mm-hmm. who I think, yeah, what a good combo for yeah, us. That is right. a combo. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So uh-huh. as I'm listening and as I'm thinking, I think I th- it seems like there are two ditches here that you can fall into when it comes mm-hmm. to thinking about signs and God's activity in the world through the Spirit. And one is there is no activity. Right. Um, there are no signs. Mm-hmm. That age is over. That's right. Just be obedient and keep trucking. Mm-hmm. And then the other is... I close my eyes, there's a blue car. Right. And that means God is, mm-hmm. it's time. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the spirit at work. So look, how do we stay on the road and not mm-hmm. in the ditches? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Hit us with it. Teach um, us, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know that I have all the wisdom here. Um, I was reading this morning after I listened to the sermon, there were some things I thought about. There's a Baptist theologian named James William McClendon. He's since deceased. Um, he talks about signs and he breaks them into three categories. And I think they're helpful for us to just think about. Tell me more. Give a little mm-hmm. theological mm-hmm. underpinning mm-hmm. to what we think about as signs from a Baptist standpoint. And so his first category would be. I like be, it. Cate- okay. Signs from a Baptist standpoint. Here we go. Welcome to Tell Me yeah. More. Here we go. Go Luke, go. <laughs> so there's the prophetic. <laughs> okay. And he would, that these are his categories. The prophetic mm-hmm. would be things like the pillar of fire or cloud leading the Israelites through the wilderness. It's this pointing sign to the greater reality of the kingdom. It's Jesus feeding the 5,000 would be mm-hmm. a prophetic sign. Jesus walking on water is a prophetic sign. They're kind of these big yeah. kingdom pointing things that happen in scripture. Mm-hmm. Do those happen today? Or are they mostly in scripture? I think they're mostly in scripture. They're pretty It'd be tough for us to see like a tornado roll through and say, follow me. And I'd probably, yeah. it doesn't seem quite right. Um, 
And it's not prophetic in the sense that maybe our Pentecostal siblings would use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's prophetic, I think, in kind of the more apocalyptic, stricter, yeah. stricter mm-hmm. scriptural sense of the word. Um, then there are remembering signs. This is next category, and that would be baptism, mm-hmm. Lord's Supper, communion, whatever word you want to use that we've talked about mm-hmm. before. And those are the things that point backwards to this is how God's been faithful. Mm-hmm. This is what God has done. Good. They also point observing. forward, right? Yes, they point forward. They point in both directions. Mm-hmm. So baptism points back to what Jesus did, forward to what ultimately will happen in our resurrection. Lord's Supper points back to what Jesus did, also points forward to the eschatological. Yeah, the heavenly banquet. Heavenly banquet. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about providential signs. And these are probably the things you talked about on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. Arlington Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Bybury, England, mm-hmm. uh, when you needed to, and someone a pastor that you'd never met in your life hearing from Mm -hmm. the spirit of God that your family is in disarray. These are the signs that happen to us in our ordinary life as individuals or as groups um, that are ultimately meant to conform us to what the spirit is doing in the world. They are to demonstrate God's care and concern for us and his leadership for us. And sometimes we don't recognize these signs until they've already happened. Mm -hmm. And we're down the road. Um, so sometimes we don't see God's pro- providence except in hindsight. Um, and these can be tricky to recognize, which I think is why we often recognize them kind of in the rear view mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Providential signs. Mm-hmm. Providential That's signs. And sometimes it's material providence. So mm-hmm. providence comes from that word provide. So sometimes it's material provision. God mm-hmm. takes care of a material need. That's happened at a house fire once. And Did you? Christian community, I think, it was a sign of God's care and concern. People took care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could point to the way people have rallied around you and I having know. triplets. And it's not far from my mind at any point. Kurt and I talked about it extensively last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have that. Then we have these kind of more, I don't want to say spiritual, because I think there is something deeply spiritual yeah. about the material provision. Absolutely. But kind of assurance may be a good word. It's you seeing Arlington Baptist Church in Byberry, England. That's right. Uh, after praying for a sign, which while sometimes maybe I know a immature, literal, mm-hmm. a literal, a literal sign. I know. Concrete. I know. Um, Only time yeah. it's ever happened like that. Yeah, for me. it can be immature. It probably depends right. on the maturity of the believer. That's what I would say. When you think, yeah. but I like those categories, Luke. I like that idea because I do think that providential category. You know, like for example, when we were trying to launch all our global mission work here and. We were at the end of our resources, and I knew that. I, I had looked at everything. I had talked with our leaders, and this lady that I would not have picked out of a lineup, I had no idea who she was or what she represented. I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And when she wanted to come see me, you know, I said, okay. And and then when she handed me that check for $100,000, well, that was one of those assurance signs. It was a blessing. It was like, okay, I, you've asked for this. Now, now go. Right. And uh, and I look at it today and here I am 21 years later and we the counseling center didn't exist back then and it wasn't finished physically on the second floor of, the, of this building. Mm-hmm. Um and so we needed about $35,000 to finish it. So we took 35,000. I told her. I said, "Hey, we're going to use some of this to finish the counseling center." She said, "Whatever you want to do with it, it's fine." And so I think about today 21 how many 21 years later how many people have been in that counseling center mm-hmm. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Now, does that say that we wouldn't have found that money ultimately at some point? I'm, I'm sure we probably would have. Yeah, that's not the point, though. But we didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. It happened just like that. Well, I'll tell and, you, as one who li- liaises with the Counseling Center, yeah. I've helped five people this week get connected to it. Because well, I thought I thought yesterday, this is a busy week for that. Mm-hmm. And it's they need it. Yeah, and and we have go. good people. So, and yeah. that's the iteration, you know, that's the right. eventual end exactly. of 21 years ago. And building that. <clears throat> you think about, we decided to purchase all this dental equipment, medical equipment. At that point, we didn't have any doctors or dentists signed on to mm. go with us anywhere, mm. you know, to do any kind of medical work. We just felt compelled to do it because we'd seen how God had used it in other places. And so we take it to the border, which is our, one of our most historic works here. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Vega is a man who worked with us on the border. He said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this young dental student because you've got all this dental equipment and you're going to have a dental clinic. And, and so he brings Gabe Herrera mm-hmm. uh, from Monterey. And Gabe meets us, and then we end up taking Gabe to Africa several times to work with us. <clears throat> he gets his degree in oral surgery. Then he decides to come here and explore more fully God's wisdom and leadership in his life and um, meets Seda. They get married, and now they're cross-cultural workers in West Africa for the last 13 years, and he runs a dental clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our original connection with him happened because of that gift mm-hmm. that we were able to provide that. So. How many lives have been touched in West Africa through Gabe right. and Seda? I don't know. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you, the lady that gave that, she's already gone on to glory. I just believe that when it's all said and done, all that gets connected to her. Mm. That was a providential sign to me. Mm. And, um, and you know, it was um, it's, it's unforgettable. There have been numerous things like that through the years in my life. Um, but those two are so profound and so connected to my life here. That's why I want to tell those two stories yeah. Sunday. Those always stay yeah. I thought they were great to share. And there's something that I've heard you say time time and time again. There are a few quotes from, I think, some wise people that have pinged around in my mind. <laughs> but you have this tongue-in-cheek way of saying, if you didn't know any better, it's like God's up to something. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, but I think in that moment when that dental student showed up, mm-hmm. I doubt you no. thought much of it. Nope. But when you look in that rearview mirror mm-hmm. of what happened 20 years mm-hmm. ago with a dental student who showed up on mm-hmm. a, a trip to the border to run a clinic, mm-hmm. you see that God's hand has mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. shaped so many things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I— Do you have any of those, Luke? I'm thinking about my I mean, I had life. one of those experiences last week. Kind of a pivotal, so, like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. we've been some things together. I mean, just so many— th- Threads came together for me last week. We were in Dr. Wiles and I were in D.C. for a, oh, yeah. a gathering with Ascent, mm-hmm. which I mean for me was just this great experience. I mean, you've been a part of this for a long time, but I think about all the things that have come together for me and came together in that room. I mean, we had American Baptist present. I was an American Baptist minister at a church that was connected to people in that room. Um, there were people in that room I talked to before as a result of that. Uh, there were people that I'd worked with through recruiting chapel speakers at the university where I worked. And so meeting people or there was even someone in that room who had offered me a job at one point in my past. But those things came together mm-hmm. and they came together because I was here. But I'm here because back in 2017 and 18, I met Cindy Wiles at a think tank about missions in California and came home and told my wife, if that church is ever hiring I'm going to apply. And then, I don't know, yeah. four, four years later, mm-hmm. something opened up and yeah. I came. Yeah, you don't know how sitting across from Sydney Wiles at a think tank 
you know, plants a seed of, mm-hmm. of what might come later. Yeah. But just seeing all of those threads, I mean, it was mm-hmm. just, there was a moment last week in that fellowship hall in it's Virginia needed. where I just, just kind of look around, looked around and saw all the threads of all the things that God has tied together in my life and in my yes. vocational journey and just mm-hmm. in awe of how God works. Yeah, I think, you know, there's with God, there's, there's imminence and there's transcendence. There's this big God that runs the universe. And then there's this still big God that lives in our spirit <laughs> and, and communes with us. And sometimes I think, I mean, for me, I can, the, the clockwork God that put the universe in motion, that's pretty easy for me to attribute all of this to God. But every once in a while, there's a moment where you think, oh, I, you know, I forget. Um, God loves me. God knows me. Mm. And he's intimately connected with every minute of my life and the people I love, you know. And so and that's what, sweet, you know, isn't it? Yesterday, at some point in both services, I don't remember when I said it, but I said something about, um, you know, Charles Taylor talks about how we live in a secular age, and he says we're trapped in this imminent frame mm. that people don't really believe in transcendence anymore. Mm. God's just an idea, kind of. Yeah, because you've had a line lately about yeah. let's not forget that God yeah. is actually I don't know how you work. He's real and, yeah, and walks among us. Just an idea that yeah, God is so not an idea. If you live in that context of an imminent frame that there really is no transcendent presence, mm. then everything's explainable. You know, either scientifically or mm-hmm. I don't know, rationally, whatever, and. um and so it just denies that. And I think that's the culture mm-hmm. we live in. So those of us who who believe in transcendence invading what's imminent, yeah. Yeah. I think we're in the minority. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like the other day, this uh, this terrible tornado is going through Mississippi and Alabama a little bit. Well, there was a weatherman on the TV in Mississippi. I think it was in Jackson. He's watching it because it was massive. And he just stops on air and prays, hmm. you know, for God to protect people. Well, I I saw that, and and he's been criticized for it, but it, to me, it just reminded me that here was a, a person who just didn't know what he felt so helpless, and he's mm-hmm. watching his radar, and he is a Christian, and all he knew to do mm-hmm. was ask God to intervene because he believed God intervenes. Mm-hmm. We still live in a broken world, and people died in that mm-hmm. tornado. But who knows how many were protected because someone was there pleading with God. See, that's what I believe, that when you plead with God, mm-hmm. I believe God answers. In the yeah, which is hard moments, for some people to. It puts us in that, a relationship right? with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if you live in that imminent frame, you know, context, well, well, it's just a tornado. Okay, yeah. blew through, and when it, when, it, you know, when it ran out of steam, ran out of steam. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, maybe. But uh, <laughs> but it takes a degree of faith, doesn't it? That's right. To believe that God is transcendent. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating, really. Yeah. And, and uh, working lives. Yeah, and I think I, I think learning to live in those moments of of what do we want to call it? Transcendent eminence. <laughs> I don't uh, know what I don't know what to call it. Well, um, we can tagline it. <clears throat> you heard it here, folks. That's that's where I <clears throat> I feel like I live. Um, you know, a while ago, Luke, you said, "How do you recognize God?" You know, signs and all of that. I. It's more art than science in some ways, but I think it's theologically filtered. Mm-hmm. I think it's rooted in spiritual maturity, so you don't trade on it. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like the joke I told Sunday, you know, about you know the the young guy saying, you know, can I marry your daughter? Well, what about this? Well, we'll God will provide. God will provide. And then he says, you know, the young man has no job, no money. He thinks I'm God <laughs> because you know he knew that <laughs> he would provide for his daughter. You don't trade on it. You mm-hmm. know, that's not how it works. Um, but uh, but I, I love the image of God being a father. I'm a father. I know how it feels. 
when I sense that there's a deep need in my child's life, mm-hmm. um, there's something in me mm-hmm. that's going to respond. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I love the relational terminology mm-hmm. used with God. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Jesus did that often. I mean, how many times in John's gospel is Jesus going to talk about what my father's doing? My father's doing this. My father's mm-hmm. doing this. My father's oh, yeah. doing this. My father's doing this. You're going to read John. This. You're going to see that, right? And so he's, he is, <clears throat> you've seen me, you've seen the father, mm-hmm. you know? I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that, that that's who Jesus is to us. And so that's why I said yesterday, I think when we get to that point in our own lives, and maybe somebody listening right now, when you are, you're at a point where the resources are just not enough, and we find ourselves in any area of your life, I get it, we all have those experiences, those are the moments to me where you give Jesus space to work mm-hmm. and see what he chooses to do. It's a good word. And so, and he may do it very differently, mm-hmm. you know. I think about, again, oh, Chuck Smith. He's struggling trying to figure out how to, you know, how to reach a culture that seemed to him basically to be going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how he viewed it. How could he not view it? He's living in California mm-hmm. <laughs> in 1970, and he's praying, asking for God to intervene and for God to bring something, and God sends him a hippie. <laughs> and that may sound, things. I don't know, that may not sound that shocking to y'all, but I'm just telling y'all, mm-hmm. knowing that time, yeah. I can guarantee that probably is not what he thought mm-hmm. was going to show up as an answer from God, and yet that's what God sent. Kurt talked about that last mm. week, just this reality that God often gives us what we need, but not in the way we... Right. I don't know how Kurt worded it. Mm-hmm. Gives us what we need, but not in the ways we wanted. Right. You know, Sometimes. he shows up in un- mm-hmm. unpredictable ways, yeah. like a hippie instead of a whatever. And, and I think that I think that's true in John's gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the one hand, Jesus gives him food to eat, and then all of a sudden he turns and looks at him and says, "If you really, if you really want to do this, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to accept me as the bread of life. You're going to eat my flesh, drink my blood. Mm-hmm. You're going to take this on yourself. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to embody this. You're going to have to live in the, the this call to suffering that I'm going to experience." Well, all of a sudden, yeah. that's not quite as popular as yeah. Uh, it's fun signs and full bellies, right? <laughs> you know, that's a little mm-hmm. different. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it didn't necessarily come in the way they would have liked it. And if you think about it, every one of those guys um, that chose to follow him in that moment, the closest ones, well, they'll all die for it. Mm-hmm. It'll claim everybody's life. Because yeah. that story ends, and Kurt and I talked about it last week but because we just loved it. You know, all these people start walking away because Jesus kind of puts down the terms of yeah. the terms and conditions of following mm-hmm. him. But his disciples, the inner circle, stay, and he mm-hmm. looks at them and says, "Well, y'all gonna leave too?" Mm-hmm. And they just say, "Where else are we gonna go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's you. You have yeah. the words of eternal life." You Which know, is awesome. it's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they follow him and they die. Mm-hmm. Yet we still see it as life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why when we go to Rome. I love to go to St. Peter's Basilica. My goodness, it's, it's it's an incredible church. But we always go to St. Peter in Chains mm. because it's there in that church. Mm. They have the chains that many people believe, you know, um, um, were around the hands and feet of Simon Peter. Mm. And I just like to show our people when we're in Rome, if you really want to see a church dedicated to Peter in Rome, go to this one. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a prisoner in this town. Sure, there's a basilica, but yeah, he was a prisoner out, so. here, and it cost him his life. Well, okay, I have a lot of more, more questions, but I feel like yeah. we, we've talked plenty today. We've, we we've meandered a bit, we have. don't you think? I think the meandering is good. And yeah. I think, well, I think our faithful <laughs> listeners are up for it. They can handle this. They can yeah. handle the meandering. So mm-hmm. um, let's let's land it there. I think for those listening and curious, uh, email us, message us. 
we want to have this conversation. <coughs> this can be a, a, a dynamic conversation, not mm-hmm. just a static conversation. So I always appreciate uh, people that text questions in or the ways they might want it to go. So please do that. Feel free to do that. And if I could make a plug. Luke, please. If you're listening. Plug away. Again, I think we're often better One, at One, if you're still listening, thank you. Wow, right. so faithful. You're here. Yep. You and made it. now Luke has a plug. Look back on your life. Because again, I mean, I'm bad at recognizing God in the present. I'll be the first to admit that. I can only think of a handful of times where I've, in the moment, knew it was God. But man, I'm good at knowing when it's happened in the past. So if you're listening today, uh, when this ends, just take five minutes if you've got it. And just think back through your past, through what's happened, through the things that have come together in your life. Mm -hmm. And just ask yourself if you never have before, what if this is God that brought all this together? And I know that you have a story, <laughs> and I would really encourage you to send that story to my story at fbca.org. We're actually getting ready to start sharing that first wave of stories that have come in. So if you have one about how God has just brought things together and you've seen God's mm-hmm. shaping and loving hand in your life, send us that story because we, we believe that you have a story to tell about what God has done. It's a good reminder, just to put a bow on it for the preaching series, that your story matters. It really mm-hmm. does. Yeah. It impacts people. Obviously, it impacts you in your life. It's your story. But it's how story is how God has moved through the world and how we are moved by reading and listening to the stories of Jesus. It's how God works is our own lives and stories. So with that, thank you all for your time. It's always enjoyable for me to sit around Luke and Dr. Wiles and listener. Thank you. It doesn't, uh, it's not a podcast if no one listens to it. So we are grateful for y'all and we'll see you next week. Thanks. for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah, work with that.